Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And this week, we are going to follow up on our review from Devs, which is a show on FX on Hulu. It launched about two months ago, and we did an initial review with the first few episodes, kind of first impressions. Figured it would be worth kind of circling back now that the first season, and I believe only season, is done, and kind of just check back in and see what we thought. Um, we're going to dive into spoilers fairly quickly, but for those of you who haven't seen the show, let's just maybe quickly go around and say, overall, do you recommend devs now that you've seen all of it or almost all of it? I'll start. I think that if you are absolutely desperate for something to watch and aren't afraid of being bummed out by TV right now, because I think that's where a lot of us are at, you know, in isolation, we're running out of stuff to watch. But then we also I know a lot of people are leaning into like escapist um, TV rather than your dramas or your intense shows. If you are running out of stuff but aren't afraid of the scary, intense stuff, I would probably say yes. Also, if you think you're the smartest person in the room at any given time, this is probably a show for you. <laughs> um, I don't, I didn't like love it, but I tolerate it. What about you, Daryl? I don't know where to go from there. I mean, I, I'd really love the show. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why I wanted to go first. But it was so, even at like leaving aside, I thought it was kind of messy. Um, you know, like just in terms of the details of whatever science they're talking about. But like, I thought it was so such a pretty show, like really well, just well shot and good looking and um, well soundtracked and well acted. So like, I think from all of those, it just had such a very high level of quality that it was just really enjoyable. Um, particularly like, I thought... Uh, uh, Nick Offerman's performance was like really fantastic and we can get into more of that like when we talk about the spoilers part because uh, I think most of my points are like spoilery about that but like yeah I just I really enjoyed it and I also didn't find it I found it so far removed from our current situation that I didn't find it um, stressful in a in a way that contributed to my general real life stress if that makes sense like it was stressful mm -hmm. in its own separate pocket dimension of stress uh which which was like good so it was like somewhat escapist while also being stressful very different escapism than like me playing animal crossing four hours a day or however much i play it to, to <laughs> live in a cute animal world where nothing matters and you just go fishing right um but escapist nonetheless so like I heavily recommend it, but yeah, I'm uh, gonna be on on Team Daryl on this one. I think that I I really loved it. I mean, part of it is because I do I'm just a huge fan of Alex Garland's. Um, as I mentioned in our last review of of Devs, I uh, Sunshine, a movie that he wrote, um, is is one of my favorite movies of you know the last few decades, and, and I really like Ex Machina and Annihilation as well. Um, I do agree that this is an extremely um, it's a show where people talk very seriously and extensively about big ideas. And I think we were actually joking about in the last episode of like, we could really go down the rabbit hole and it just feels like you're sort of like a, you know, stone freshman in college, like, you know, kind of mm. philosophically bullshitting. And, um, if that's what you want from a show, which is, it turns out that is exactly what I wanted. This is a great show. And I think it, it works really well and is as far as I can recall, um, the only movie or TV show that I think really explores these specific philosophical ideas and takes them seriously. Um, I think there are others that sort of where there's a little bit of that, but this is like the first thing that, you know, just to state it outright, even though it's, I guess, kind of spoilery, is like, I think it's the first show that I've seen that really takes the idea that we might not have free will really seriously. And like, what are like the implications of that? And so... Um, and, and it, at the same time, I mean, it, beyond the philosophy, I think dramatically the show mostly works really well because there's like a bunch of mysteries at the heart of the show. They're sort of solved in a fairly deliberate pace. Not everything is perfect. 
there are some things about the ending that I wasn't crazy about. And, and probably the biggest reservation I have about the show is that um, Sonoya Mizuno is the lead character playing this character, Lily. And I think there's something about that character that just still feels like a little bit of a blank to me. And I just found so much of the, the rest of the show and the rest of the characters more compelling. And it wasn't enough. Obviously, I, like I said, I love the show, but I do think that if I, that my biggest reservation about the show is that I still was never as fully invested in Lily as a character as I think the show wanted me to be. I agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. I felt like towards the beginning, like the first couple episodes, um, there was a. It felt like the the cracking of an egg, like we were getting to you know something in there, and it was it felt fast too, like, wow, there's so many layers to this person, and then it just like paused almost. I don't know if that was intentional, but it did feel like, oh, well, I'm getting to know her, and I'm seeing her in these different scenarios, and you know, there was a couple scenes where she's crying and I just, I, I think even in the last episode where we talked about devs, I really praised her, the, the actor's ability to kind of make you feel something in this very weird, weird world. Um, but then it did like, as the show goes on, it felt like she became more and more flat a little bit. I don't know. Not the actor, the character. Right. I think it's totally the fault of the writing. Yeah. Like her ability to, um elicit like she conveyed emotion very well and i think that like like she does a good job of making you feel like that's genuine but there was parts of like i think that there were parts i think jordan mentioned this but there's parts of her characters that that seem to be developed at the start and then just seem to be abandoned or ignored like later on like they just said like well none of that's important like she's basically the foil through which all of these other actions happen or whatever right Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's move into spoilers then. So if you don't want to know how Devs ends, you should stop listening now. Um, should I guess should we just sort of recap where what where the story goes in the in the last few episodes? We could try. I wouldn't do a good job at that. I, I got to be honest. The last four episodes, I did not watch last night because I became completely addicted to Ozark, even though I knew I was supposed to do this this morning. And then I had to watch devs like scare quotes around watch because there were a million things happening at work this morning. So I tried my best to follow along, but maybe that is part of where my disdain for this show comes from is that like, you got to pay attention. It's, it's moving too fast and has too many like, philosophical angles to half-ass this show which i think is important for viewers to know when they undertake it this isn't like a play on your phone show i don't think yeah it's pretty hard to casual watch yeah um so i think just we won't go into detail about what happens because i think it's it's a pretty convoluted plot but but the the gist of it is that there's it takes place at this quantum computing company called amaya and it, where it turns out there's this secret project called Devs. And the, the mystery kind of driving the, the early episodes of the show is what is Devs? And also, what happened? You know, why did this um, guy, Sergey, who is in a relationship with our main character, Lily, although actually at the beginning it almost looks like Sergey might be the main character, he gets brought into Devs and then tries to steal some information for steal some code from there and is killed off. And so Lily trying to figure out what happened to Sergey is really what drives the rest of the show. And what we eventually learn is that devs is an attempt to build um, a deterministic simulation that represents the entire history of uh, the universe or at least of earth. And so that the like there's there's sort of an extensive explanation of the philosophy behind it um, in in episode six, which I'm probably not going to do justice to. But but the idea that if that any time something happens in the universe, it's caused by something else. And so like the the example they use is that if you push a pencil across a table, that sort of implies a table. It implies a hand pushing the pencil, and so on. And so if you have if you can perfectly model one small part of the universe 
you can expand outward from there and eventually get this entire you know simulation of of the world and the history and the future of the world except that the the simulation in the devs program is ends at a certain point and it has something to do with lily they know that lily is going to die although they don't tell her this um but they don't know exactly what happens or maybe they, actually it seems like they just don't tell her it seems like they actually have yeah a pretty they clear do idea know what exactly happens. What yeah. yes and um and so through fairly complicated machinations uh lily and and there's part of it is this tension of you, you know when you know what you're supposed to do according to the simulation according to the prediction you can try to fight it but what kind of becomes clear is that that knowledge in some ways is incorporated into the simulation already and you know trying trying not to fulfill the prediction just fulfills the prediction in a lot of ways um, and and so Lily tries to resist, but ultimately ends up going to devs on this fateful night where she is Can supposed to. Can you tell to... me how she got to devs? Sorry to interrupt. Sure. But that was yeah, one yeah. part that I wasn't paying attention to, and I she was like, "All I have to do is sit in this apartment for a day, and that's what I'm going to do." And I was like, "That seems reasonable." And then I look up, and she's at devs, and I was like, well, "Yeah, what? <laughs> a lot what happened. happened there." <laughs> well, this is this is the one part that I mean for me it was really upsetting and sad is that so she has reconnected with. Um, her ex-boyfriend Jamie um, after Sergey's death, and like oh, he's Kenton been helping comes her out to kill kill them, right? Yes, and so yeah. Kenton comes, and um, Kenton, who's the head of security at Amaya, although at this point I think is sort of has kind of gone rogue and decided that everyone's against him, and so he come he goes to the apartment and he kills Jamie, and tries to kill Lily, but then the homeless man Pete who has been living outside of Lily's apartment, comes in and kills Kenton, the security chief. And Pete says, it turns out he was a Russian agent like Sergey, And basically says, you know, look, you've got two dead bodies in your apartment now. Your whole life is basically, as you know, your life as you know it is over. And so you can either flee to Hong Kong where there's not extradition and you can reunite you with your mother, but you'll never be able to come back to the U.S., or you can go to the CIA. And then Lily, I think, chooses a third option, which is just, all right, I'm going to get, find the people who are responsible for all of all of this happening. And so she goes to devs. I have to say that in that scene with Pete slash Russian spy, mm-hmm. when he, um, he obviously kills them, and I was a little bit lost because I was like, that's Pete. Why is he speaking in Russian? <laughs> um, and then... He drags the dead bodies into the bedroom. He asks her to go sit on the couch, drags the dead bodies into the bedroom, closes the door, and he starts to talk to her, and he realizes that there's blood on his hand. And I thought it was so... One of the sweetest parts of the whole show was him turning around to wipe the blood off his hand, just in case, after all the trauma, that might be even more traumatizing to her. Just was like... I don't know. It was just slightly touching for me. Yeah, there is something sweet about him. Even though he, yeah. you know, is obviously capable of really brutal things and has been keeping secrets. Um, and I think one of the things that's really, really crucial about that scene, too, is that in some ways I think it sort of sets up the ending because he also says to her, my instructions were that I was just, I was supposed to watch and protect Sergei, but once he died, I was just watching you. I wasn't supposed to protect you. I made a choice to protect you. Um, and so, um, and and, you know, again, that question of like, can you can anyone meaningfully make choices um or is are we just basically responding to circumstances and in our internal programming is kind of what drives a lot of the ending so lily goes to to devs and confronts forrest the head the uh, nick offerman character and he basically shows her the simulation that of, of what's supposed to happen and that she's supposed to lead him out of devs into this kind of crazy um, uh, electromagnetic-powered elevator that leads out of the Debs facility, and then when she's in there, she'll shoot him, and that'll like um, break the elevator, killing both of them. And it's this really powerful scene where she, you, you watch all of that happening in detail in the simulation, and then very shortly after that, you see it happening in real life 
and accept it a key and it looks like it's basically what what has happened is is predict that what is predicted to happen is happening exactly as predicted and in fact you know the fact that lily saw the the simulation is part of what makes her act a certain way probably um and but then she gets into the elevator and instead of letting the door close and shooting for us she throws the gun out and which like blows everyone's mind i was like screaming at my laptop when that happened mm-hmm. and it seems like they've kind of broken free and she actually says i think we're outside of your machine or outside of the simulation now but then it turns out that one of the other devs employees who we've been following as well for the last few episodes also does not like Forrest, does not want Forrest to control the devs project. So he deactivates the machine or the deact- deactivates the electromagnetic field. The elevator comes crashing down anyway. Lily and Forrest are killed. And then... Um, They're killed because that's a vacuum environment, right? There's no oxygen in there. Oh, I think that... Uh, I, I was trying to wonder because it looks like they both lived through the fall. But then what kills them afterward yeah that is a good point because i was kind of just like oh i guess their internal injuries kind of killed them but maybe it was that they just didn't it didn't look breathe, that high it's like 30 yeah, feet obviously they'd be injured but it felt like i was trying to do some of the math on that but if it's a vacuum environment right like the only way you can get in and out is through that little mm-hmm. elevator and the elevator breaks then maybe it's like space almost like that makes sense I mean, I I didn't I thought they were just killed by the crash, but it did play out kind of strangely if it was just the crash that kills them because they survive for for an extended period of time afterwards. Anyway, sorry if that's a rogue question. I was no, 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 that's good. good. Um, no. And then at the um, so then one of the one of the things that's kind of crazy though is at that moment there's still like 20 minutes left in the episode, and I had no idea where it was going to go next. Oh, I didn't see past that. So yeah, so well, what what happens is because <laughs> the uh, devs, you know, or uh, devs is you know the simulation of the the whole history of the world, um, including Forrest and Lily up to the point of their deaths. Um, Katie, who's the Allison Pill character, who is in charge of the project, she is able to basically take the simulations of Forrest and Lily and pluck them into the simulation, like put them into the simulation at different points in their history, but with the knowledge of what's happened to them. And so in effect, what ha- what they experience is they wake up in the world and Lily wakes up at the beginning of the story um, with, with Sergei again, and Forrest wakes up and he's reunited with his family because this is a world where, because basically actually devs isn't just one simulation. I think it's a whole set of of um multiverse like like parallel i'm gonna interrupt again so this is the point Mm -hmm. at which the 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 dev the older dev um Mm -hmm. has decided to screw because there's many different theories right in quantum and forest was set on one that kind of relieved him from the responsibility of the death of his wife and child but it turns out that the other theories were the ones that were maybe right and allowed the system to work. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And that's the many many worlds theory or the many universes theory. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if the show definitively states whether no. or not one or the other is correct. But within it is many worlds within is what allows devs to work as a simulation. Right. right. It does. Yes. Right. 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 But it's uh, there's like. Allison Pill has a good part where she kind of expresses what I think is the the show's perspective because she's talking to the guy, um, well, the... The the, the young, young dev. Young dev, right? I wanted to ask about that scene as well. So yeah, let's talk about it. And she actually says that neither of them are correct, right? Like she, she says that uh, Forrest is wrong and that he is wrong also. That like... So that implies that neither is 100% or she understands that neither is 100% correct in that cuz f- basically the difference is um Forrest thinks it's a it's a single there's all, it's purely deterministic which is how that what Anthony described earlier works right like 
the only way that if you can take all the information about like a single particle and extrapolate all the, the information about the particle next to it and so on and so forth until you extrapolate the entire world the only way that works is if it's purely deterministic right it's like because this particle exists in this way the one next to it has to exist in this way and the one next to it has to exist in this way and so so on and so on right until you get the whole thing but like the other one, and the only way with the, the machine actually works is on the, the multiple worlds theory where it's like every single time that there's a possible decision divergence, like the one... It keeps splitting. There, there's a splitting tree. And yeah, splitting. It, it right. branches and branches and branches, right? So, And so like they're incompatible in that way. But then she seems to suggest that like... And then, and then I mean, the show kind of goes on to suggest that there's this second or this third option, which is somehow a hybrid of the two. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. Weird. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, and and I mean, the show has also been visually sort of cueing you into saying that, um, that like, because it it shows like usually a lot of, there's certain scenes where you see a lot of different possibilities for what's happening of like that, you know, Alison Pill could be standing here or she could be leaving at this point or she could be leaving at this other point. Um, but it also is done in this way that implies that there's a certain degree of like the, the metaphor they use a lot of time is tracks that like everything happens along these tracks. And at least from what we see, that kind of seems to be the case um, in the sense that like you don't see like. So, for example, in that scene where the, the young devs programmer falls is we don't see any version where she doesn't fall. Right. It's just she could fall now. She could fall now. She could fall now. She could fall now. But she falls and Allison Pill, you know, can leave now or now or now, but she leaves. And I don't know how much of that is like just, you know, visually stylist, like a visual style thing. And how much of that is, is meant to imply that there's still a degree of, of constraint and only so many ways that something could happen. Um, in the same way that I wonder about like, wh- why does it, it's this strange thing where, Lily makes this incredibly momentous decision that like implies that, you know, that pure determinism is not correct, but then they die in exactly the same way. And, and well, so- not exactly the same way. And then also like the guy who causes it made his own decision clear- that was outside of the sim, right? Like, And yet crucially thinks he doesn't, right? Like he's come yeah. around to the idea that the ter- determinism is correct. And like, what's horrible about that moment is like, actually he he's just flouted it because she's just flouted it right like mm-hmm. he's incorrect about his assumption and that's actually what causes their death right and things to stay on tracks uh no it's they're not on tracks because they're like just because the outcome is the same doesn't mean the tracks remain in place right like right the the final thing of the story is like she broke the tracks and that's why you like basically and this is where i'm like i don't know if i like this about the show or not like it was implying that the world was deterministic and that lily through her actions made it um uh non-deterministic yeah i'm not entirely sure how widespread that's supposed to be i I suppose it's um it's implied to be widespread in the sense that it breaks the dev's computer on some level and so that that the model suddenly just stops working and and yeah I'm, I'm not i'm just not entirely sure what the implications of that are and and one thing we don't see is what happens now if you try to run a dev simulation into the future it does it work now are there are there like you know 20 different possible futures that you can look at or infinitely possible futures you can look at or is it still broken up until the you know up until the point where lily or like it when it hits the point where lily was supposed to have killed forest it still breaks there or or what happens it seems it's not totally clear to me yeah yeah i'm not sure either but i mean it's running i think i think maybe and this is this requires like a leap but like maybe it's implied that the machine now is the container for like they do talk a couple times about like the computer is reality and everything is inside of it and and this they have that really good speech where like the simulation and the reality are reversed now like we are in the simulation and that is reality right and i think that's kind of where you can take the conclusion that that she has broken this deterministic future and it's now um relativistic or a multiply multiple universe thing but that that exists in the context of the computer which 
it doesn't really matter. Like the inside and the outside can be reversed just mm-hmm. as easily as like it, it's immaterial which one is which. So like that's where that now lives. But I don't know what that means in terms of the, the system's ability. Like mm-hmm. she does have that conversation with the government person about continuing to operate it. Um, just basically so that they like Forrest can continue to live in his simulation. That I found that really interesting too because Forrest is talking to Lily about how they're lucky they're in one of the good ones, and mm-hmm. and that keeps pinging between one where they're they're maybe not right, like they change the lighting and everything. So like to imply he's having this conversation with her in multiple different realities where the conditions are different. Um, and then when it flips to Allison having that conversation or first watching for us with the family and then having the conversation that, or I guess character Katie, uh, actress Allison, that to me was like, she's in a hell dimension now because it's like, this is the worst possible outcome for her. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a whole, I think it's just now multiversal, but it's, it's, it's weird in that like, Lily created it essentially and like they made it happen like that's where the deus name comes into it's like there's it is a new god in essence it's, right uh, yeah so it's, it's really, revealed that it actually that in in forest head there was sort of a pun in the dev's name where he saw the v as actually a roman v which is to say like a u and so it was actually the project is actually deus god which he thought was like a harmless joke but then it, it proves <laughs> out everything about like tech founders being messianistic or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I, one of the points you made was this sort of that sense at the end that whether you're inside the system or I mean, inside the simulation or not, it, it doesn't necessarily that, 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 that line has been really blurred. And I agree that that's one of the things that's really effective about the ending is that you, you sort of are sometimes just like, which, which level of reality am I in at this point? And that when you what you, the the thing it finally ends on is is seeing um, Lily reuniting with Jamie in the simulation, and on the one hand you understand that this is a Jamie, Jamie who only exists in the simulation, and and that the Jamie that we knew is is dead, but at the same time it still has the the emotional charge of of a of a real reunion, partly because Lily herself is only a simulation, right? But there is a very concrete difference of like it. It, it makes clear that, yes, there are still like these sort of hierarchy of, of levels of reality that Alison Pill and the senator character played by Janet Mock, they can pull the plug on Debs, even though they, I mean, or if she really wants to make sure the plug is not pulled on Debs, because if you exist on a computer somewhere, somebody can turn the computer off. Yeah, I think that that's in there and that's their understanding, but I also am not sure that that is necessarily offered like as a unqualified certainty i think i don't know i i mean i know they say that but i don't trust that that's the case yeah i mean that's fair i mean i think a lot of things about the ending are very it happens fairly quickly with with not a ton of explanation so i i feel like there's a lot of different ways you can sort of take what what happens and and what it actually means for the the fate of the universe as a whole as you can already tell by the way we're kind of arguing about it yeah yeah for sure yeah it's not it's it's like i think it like is possibly more pat than some people were expecting in terms of like stuff they spell out but i don't i don't know if that's giving it enough credit i think that's like uh just to make it kind of like more or less digestible but then i think there's a lot of stuff they raise earlier that they don't necessarily do a good job of um reminding you about later on right like it it assumes especially the what's his name character who ends up being like the big uh foil like the person who causes the their deaths at the end like he has he has so many things that don't aren't really addressed in the conclusion that he talks about that i feel like those are still worth pursuing and and the stuff where you're talking about like the um like there were repeated times over the show where they did that kind of multiple positioning thing, like implying that there's like all this stuff going on. Like, mm-hmm. I think that implies too that, I don't know, that the 
it, it's not really entirely clear which world we're viewing. And there's a whole episode where we're viewing it all as though it's on the simulation too, even yeah. though it's supposed to be memories, right? And yeah, so it's the timelines get really conflicted there. And the inside-outside relationship gets really conflicted there too. So Jordan, now that we've explained what happens in the last few minutes that you didn't see, how do you feel about the show? Worse, I think. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, let me repeat it back to you and make sure I understand. So she somehow, I guess, tweaks the code to start back over and put them in with the knowledge of what has happened to them before. And that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you said Katie ends up in some hellscape, but they essentially end up in a better life like she's still uh, with sergey and he's with his family katie doesn't necessarily that's just like my interpretation because like they have a she's they have just a scene of now yeah and she's has to she basically can watch forrest like enjoying his life with his family like she's chosen that instead and she clearly is made miserable by that right because she wants him there with her yeah I don't know. I don't care really. I do. I I care a lot about Katie though. She was my favorite character. So evil and emotionless, but also not and intelligent and like completely outside the box of the kind of character you'd see Allison Pill play or think she would play. It just mm-hmm. felt really good. I mean, it was an interesting contrast, too, because she plays in some ways a similar character on Star Trek Picard, which is going on at the same time. But in some ways, they're also like very opposite approaches where I feel like on Picard, you find out a lot about um, her background and her history and, and all the sort of traditional character stuff. And even then, I didn't feel like her character entirely worked in Picard. Whereas here, you find out very little about Katie as like, I have no idea about her background. I mean, we see basically one classroom session where Forrest recruits her to Amaya. But other than that, I feel like biographically, we know almost nothing about her. And yet she is this vividly, completely memorably and consistently sketched out character where I felt like I totally understood her viewpoint, where she was coming from, even though I knew next to nothing about her. I think it's fair to say that most people are pretty shallowly sketched in terms of their backgrounds, right? Like they, mm-hmm. even, even Forrest, like all you really know about his life before was that he had a family and he screwed up the one day, right? Like you don't really know that much more about him. Um, and likewise, everybody like, and I talked about that a bit earlier with like Lily's character. I just felt like with hers, it was a little bit like they brought up that she was, she worked in security, like IT security, but then they just seemed to kind of discard that biographical detail or like not really even make it seem like she had that kind of depth of knowledge at any point. And so I felt like that was a strange thing to do, but, um, but everybody, I kind of felt like they just gave you like one or two kind of like salient details and then let the 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 performances like sketch out all the rest and that and it was really effective. Like it, even the head of security too was good like that, right? Like they kind of give you an idea that he's ex military or something or ex intelligence. Um, but that's really all you need to know and uh same with kind of Sergey and same with everybody else, right? Right. No, I, I agree. I think like across the board, the the characterization is pretty strong. Except, I think again, with in the case of Lily, partly because she has to take on such weight towards the end, and they sort of talk about her as if like she's the one person who was able to exercise free will. And even the Nick Offerman character tells her at the end, "You're going to do what you always do. You're going to do go your own way." Or I forget exactly what the line was. Maybe not that line yeah, from the song, something but something like, like that. that. Um, and I wasn't, I guess I didn't have that sense of why Lily was so special. Um, even if in the moment when she exercises free will, it's, it's really amazing and surprising, but, um, everything else though, I think, and, and particularly the Nick Offerman and Allison Bill characters, I think are, are amazing. Yeah. I really, I loved that moment. Cause I just, it was like the whole show, especially once they started really like in the last, I don't know, three or four episodes started feeling so like it was oppressive 
the 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 sense that everyone was like so on rails, right? Like, and you could, I think that Alison Pill and Nick Offerman did an especially good job of acting that, like making it feel so oppressive and so like inevitable. And it's like they're just saying these things, and you watch them say it, and then they say it, and you're like, oh, it's like it's you're just so trapped, you're so locked, right? Like the rails just feel really enforced. And then that's what makes it when she just does that thing, you're like, oh my god, like. And Offerman did a, a really good job of conveying the way that I think all the audience felt. Like his, he it was the first time he came alive, right? Like his re- reaction mm-hmm. to that was so vivid and so like different than the rest of his his entire portrayal up until that point. Um, and it was it really was kind of the way I felt, where you were just like, oh my god, like there's. It's relief. He didn't have because he had more horror too, right? Because the whole point for him was like proving that this was always inevitable to absolve himself of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I had that feel. I just felt like, oh, thank God, you just did something that you weren't that wasn't on the list, right? Like it felt like tremendous, even though it was absolutely nothing, right? It was like the in terms of what it actually involved, it was like, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like was not shooting somebody. Yeah, part of part of the problem I think I had again as like the person who mistakenly casually viewed is like (laughs) I didn't feel like it was believable. Like no matter how well they acted that out, like I believed that they believed it. But I also it it became really painfully clear to me in the scene where. there are four or five devs in the room and they go a second. The simulation is put a second in the future into their room. And, you know, he lifts his hand in the simulation and then the, the actual character lifts his hand. And I felt, I feel like if I was in that situation and I saw myself a a second in the future, I'd be so horrified that I would literally just be as still as possible. Yeah, I know, but that's like the whole thing. thing. But but the, that's like exactly what they want you to feel, and then like the inevitability of it is so horrible, right? But like like then the thing would just do whatever you've done. Like it's it's not. I I get that, but that's like kind of the beauty of the consistency of how they did it throughout the show, and then to have it spoiled in that one moment is like what you've been feeling the whole time actually made real, and what that's what makes it effective. Well, and Lily also obviously never actually succumbing to the idea that all of this is inevitable, but still going to devs and then throwing. It's like, where are you? Is it free will or not? Like, do you. She after all this, will, don't you want to prove either. them wrong and not go to devs? And she ends up going anyway, but then she decides, oh, I'm going to change the course and throw the gun. Like, it just. I don't but the know. nice thing about that so was like, annoying. it took like a just an ask. Like, the thing that happened to her was so dramatic and so shocking but then you're like this is why like i get it now i get Mm -hmm. what i was supposed to go to devs to begin with oh i get what has caused her to do it not not what why she's chosen to because again at this point you're operating under the assumption that there's not choice there's just like this inevitability that exists and like part of the fun of it is how do you get her from there to there given these conditions right it seems insurmountable but then they come up with a great narrative motivator for why, what the cause is that leads to that effect, right? Like, I I thought that was fantastic because I was like, I don't understand what you could do. And then they came up with something so dramatic and so painful that you can see how she would just be hollowed out of everything and just be like, there's really only one thing for me to do now, which is seek some kind of revenge, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree that, like, I think on some level... You can always sort of Isn't quibble with like how the, how the scenes. Go? No, because she's got nothing left. Like, what what point is there? There's nothing. Like, it, like, it's like she felt like she tried that. She tried to not go, and then like everything was sort of taken from everything that she had left was taken from her, and she can't stay. And she definitely cannot stay there because again, she's got two dead bodies in the apartment, which you know will become clear to the outside world at some point. Y'all are enforcing Alex Garland's God complex right now. I just hope you know, and you're okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, well, so <laughs> I will say that I actually interviewed Alex Garland when Ex Machina came out, and he is actually a very nice, down-to-earth guy who does not take, you would not think it from the things that he writes, but he 
is very like chill and doesn't like take himself particularly seriously. I think he takes the ideas really seriously, but not necessarily the um, him. Like he doesn't think he's like this amazing genius who's like doing unprecedented, you know, impeccable storytelling. Like he's uncovering this whole idea to begin with. He's yeah, just it in a serious way. Right. He's just trying. I, I think was he's, mostly he just joking. An interesting to idea. be clear, yeah. I don't want to like all that Ar- Alex Garland fans up in my tweets. I, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm sure he's lovely. But I think I think it's fair to say that like. To quibble with like, okay, I didn't find this specific scene totally convincing in terms of how somebody reacts to the knowledge. I mean, part of it is because we don't know, like we don't have real knowledge about what we will do in the future. So we can't say exactly how we react to that knowledge. And I think it would differ from person to person. Um, I think they, the show does a reasonable job of illustrating how knowing the future can't change the future that like knowing the future just makes the future happen and um yeah i mean again i i think you if we like picked it apart i think we could say okay this scene maybe doesn't quite work or i think I, this is what would happen instead but but i i feel like as a fictional construct it seems consistent and believable and like just this really well done execution of this idea I will say that like in all of the time travel stuff that you see where that exact concept is always proven over and over again, right? That like you think that knowing the future means you can change it and reality, Mm -hmm. knowing it is what puts you on the track to fulfill it, blah, blah, blah. I do think that this was done better than it's been done before, but it's still just like, and maybe that's like my own stubbornness and like unwillingness to believe in like predetermination that I feel so strongly about it being unconvincing right or that like Mm -hmm. i in some way could break the chain and i'm so fucking special which i'm not but like i just feel how i feel let me feel my feelings daryl jeez yeah i just think that that's what's so impressive about it because it's like that's obviously everybody's tendency especially like a north american audience right like if anybody believes in free will and like free choice like it's north americans right so it's such a hard thing to fight against and i think that they i, I i've ne- i've never seen one do such a good job like there's there's other places where they do a job where you kind of like you have that thing where like how are they gonna get from here to there and then it's like a series of kind of like blind corners that leads you to that and it's kind of like oh i get it okay clever this is not that. This is like we're gonna lay it out exactly. I'm, we're gonna show you it, and then it's still gonna happen in that way. And it's so it's an extra level of difficulty in terms of just like the creative challenge of making it convincing. And they did such a good job of it. That, that's all I'm saying about it. I think it's, and I think that's what you're saying too. Like you said, you think they did a better job than most, right? Yeah, I do. I agree with you. We're saying the same things. It's just you like that they achieved that, and I'm uncomfortable with the way, that, with the fact that they achieved it. You know what I mean? Which is makes me the lesser person, and I'll admit it. You are the smartest guy in the room, Daryl. I think no, that no. they are trying to make you uncomfortable, and and again, like I think it's it's fair to you know, either there's a certain sort of like the show proceeds from like some sort of philosophical assumptions. And then I think illustrates them with with a, a surprising and unusual degree of thoroughness. But if you don't necessarily accept the philosophical assumptions, or at least are not willing to sort of seriously entertain them for eight hours, then it's probably going to be a pretty frustrating experience. And also, like, even I think if you're willing, maybe I'm wrong about this, Daryl, but I think even if you're willing to accept them, like, it's it it's not scary television in any way, and it's not too dark for me. No. Like, some shows leave you feeling gross. Right. And you're like, that was too dark. That was too much. It's more just like exhausting. I felt exhausted by watching this and even only half watching it was slightly exhausting. It's just like a lot of mental gymnastics and trying to peek around corners that like. I don't know necessarily that it's good for binging, maybe. Oh, I wouldn't binge this. No. Yeah, it it might be better to like piecemeal this out because I think binging it is just mentally slightly, you know, exhausting. Like I said, it's just tiring. Yeah, it's a tiring show. It asks a lot of you, and I feel like that you definitely want to space it out. You need to like have your Wheaties before you watch it too. Like mm-hmm. this is not like a <laughs> especially show to watch the later over episodes or something. Yeah, yeah, 
the earlier ones, and I mean, it's surprising, like, how, like, the, the, the first few episodes definitely have some really dark stuff, but they also feel, like, a little bit more satirical and fun, and by the end, it really does have that kind of oppressiveness that I think you both talked about, where you just really feel weighed down by this sense that everything is predetermined, and these horrible things are going to happen, and maybe it doesn't even matter, and then there's that moment of re- release at, at the end when, when she finally breaks free of it. That, that's, I think, really incredible. But um, it is funny. I was just thinking about like how in the first episode, there's that scene where Forrest is just like shoveling down salad into his mouth. And, um, oh, yeah. and, and like how like I thought it was going to be this, you know, it seemed like there was this sort of lighthearted side of the show, which I think really goes away. And I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I, I just like, the, it was just a really striking contrast to me that the show where we can make fun of this guy for like, just wolfing down a salad that way. Um, it feels like that's a very different show from where we end up by episode seven and eight. Yeah, you could have the same computer take a look at our first devs episode in this devs episode and analyze the difference <laughs> in the way we were talking about it. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, are, do we have any final thoughts? We got an amazing week up up next, don't we, guys? Amazing. Action-packed. Maybe we should telegraph a little bit in case people want to talk to us yeah. about those things. Right. So n- midweek, we're going to do an episode about Too Hot to Handle, which somebody should at least explain what the concept of that show is. <laughs> I don't know if I really understand it. I just thought... <laughs> I read through, and I... Honestly, Daryl, when you slacked it, he put it in Slack and he said, I'm just going to leave this here. And my initial reaction was, you're going to tell me what the hell this is. You do not make me click into this article. And then I clicked into it on my tracks, as they say. And um, it is about a group of people that is put into like a paradise type situation, bachelor in paradise thing. It's called retreat, uh, the retreat. And they have a prize pool. And their goal is to make meaningful connections with one another. But every time that they have some sort of sexual encounter from kissing on, they their prize pool it loses money. They, they're deducted. So it's essentially just this really long, drawn-out tease, essentially, of they should make connections and fall for one another without indulging any of it physically, which just seems fun. I can't wait to watch it. And yes. then in the uh, at the end of the week, we're going to be, and partly we're putting this off a little bit because it's taking Daryl and I a little bit of time to catch up. But the third season of Ozark is out, and we will review season three. And I just got to say, I think Ozark is probably one of my. I'll. It's it's not a stretch to say that it's definitely in the top five of my netflix originals and probably top five drama slash thrillers overall so is it accurate to call it bayou breaking bad or whatever didn't somebody say that (laughs) one time i haven't watched any of it i gotta watch it i think that undersells ozark to be honest and i'm a pretty big breaking bad fan but the time between you know, shows just only get, well, at least prestige shows continue to get better and better and better. And the things that maybe were frustrating about Breaking Bad or flaws in the way that that show were made are erased with Ozark, in my opinion. And it also has like a, it, it does have similar themes, right? We're talking about like drugs and money laundering and, you know, high crimes and a person who's trying to be good and protect their family while succumbing to these outside forces, you know, based on essentially a single choice early on. Um, But I would say that there are a lot of really, really interesting characters in this, whereas I thought Breaking Bad had a fewer, a a smaller pool of interesting characters. Um, It's got a real different vibe from Breaking Bad, in my opinion. I don't know. You could. You, there are a lot of comparisons to make. There are a lot, of, also a lot of differences. But it's freaking amazing. It's so mm. good. The soundtrack is so good. Jason Bateman is amazing. Uh, Laura Linney is amazing. I mean, 
And it's one of those shows, and this is a, a similarity with Breaking Bad and with several other shows, is that, like, it's a game of whack-a-mole. So here's problem one. He sets off on his quest to solve for problem one, and problem two and three have crept up. And by the time that he's actually solved problem one, we're now at problem five. And he's working on two and four simultaneously, and then six and seven show up. And it's just like, it's kind of an onslaught, but in a way that keeps it interesting. And the turns that we take are like, wait, are you fucking kidding? Like, there was a moment last night, without spoiling anything, where I was like, I literally said, holy shit, this show. Like, how how do we get here? Like, (laughs) but not in a way where you're like, wait, how do we get here? This is bullshit. You're like, how in the world did we get here? This is crazy in a good way. So anyways, I'll reserve myself for our actual episode, but watch Ozark folks participate with us. I would love for you to be able to stay on during the spoiler section of next week's episode. And if you have emails or thoughts, we will absolutely read them if you're, if you're ahead of us right now, because I think it's going to be a fun one for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as always, I will just remind people that we uh, have an email address, original content at techcrunch.com. And usually I say that, you know, let us know what you think of, of devs or of our review. And, and I would repeat that here. I'm definitely very curious what people think about devs. In case it wasn't clear, I, I really like it. It's probably one of my favorite shows that I've seen in a long time. Um, but also, if, if you've gotten ahead, if you've seen Too Hot to Handle, if you've seen Ozark Season 3, let us know. And we'll, we'll even talk about it before our reviews. Um, and then, of course, we always appreciate it if you subscribe, leave us positive reviews in Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. We'll be back next week. Jordan and Daryl, have a great weekend. You too. You too.